Hey, welcome to the Culture Kings Podcast, the podcast that I don't host. But it is hosted by my good friends Edgar Montplazier and Jockey Snail. Very good guys. These guys are just going to talk about pop culture, sports, you know, a lot of shit. Shit people care about. I don't know how to put it. It's like... Podcast, but like a mosh pit. And if you ask them to stop, they'll start shit. I'm talking sports to politics to back and forth. They plead the fifth. And now I'm coming back for more. Ring, ring, really big ring. Basquiat with the crowny thing. But the comedians with the clowny thing. So you better bow down as the Coach Kings. You know what I'm excited about, dude? I and it, it it cracks me up that it's so fucking weird that time matters to people sometimes. <laughs> what do you mean by I'm, that? So I'm excited about Eddie Eddie Murphy's comeback. Right? Oh, dude, I'm extremely excited. I'm so fucking excited, and like it's so. I was talking to somebody yesterday, and they was like, "Man, that nigga ain't done shit in like 20 years." And they didn't say nigga because it was a white person. but uh, They probably was thinking it. Nah. They was thinking it. That's why I put it in there. But it was like, he hasn't done anything in like 20, 50 years. He hasn't made a good movie in, since like the mid-90s. And I was like, first of all, that's a lie. Yeah, like anybody says to me, like, let's stop that. Come yeah, on. that's a fucking lie. Because like, Shrek is in 2000s. Exactly. Dream Girls. You know it's what I'm great. saying? And, and even, listen, man, listen. I, I always point to this movie where I'm like, y'all need to stop tripping about Eddie Murphy. Even though this movie wasn't like the best fucking movie. If you say he me, Dave, me I'm walking up. back on that. No, no, no. Me, Dave was bad. Okay. Uh, but Haunted Mansion, you remember that movie? Yeah. It wasn't a great movie, but man, I remember the part of that movie at the end where Eddie was like, yo, if you, I forget what the dude was like, but if you kill me, yo, I'm going to be kicking your ass on the other side of life. <laughs> and just his delivery and shit is just like, this nigga is still so fucking funny, And they've all, and like every comic has said, if you talk to Eddie, he's always the funniest dude in the room. Yeah. The man, when he got his Kennedy Center, Kennedy Center Honors Award, was crushing, and it was just him giving an acceptance an speech. acceptance speech. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I told somebody, I was like, because I posted about it, I said, boy, uh, people were mad at Dave's special with Sticks and Stones. I said, they're going to be pissed when Eddie drops. So a dude uh, that I'm kind of cool with, he said, uh, I see irrelevant comedian, relevant comedians are making a comeback in 2020. I said, please tell me how the GOAT is irrelevant. It's irrelevant. Get the, and that's what I'm saying. Like time is like you you think time makes this nigga not funny? Like this is the one this is the one person out of stand up, out of anybody who is still alive that everybody's wanted him to do an album, come back. Yeah. The one person. Yeah. Like people were like Jerry Seinfeld, you know, as great as great as Seinfeld is in his regard, people were like, because he has his audience. Right. But you have Louis C.K., he still has his audience. Mm-hmm. You have a Ricky Gervais, you have a Burr, you have all these different ones, even Chappelle. But in, when you start bringing it up, this is your favorite comedian's favorite comedian. Right. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So how is that irrelevant? It's not. How is that irrelevant? It's not fucking irrelevant. If anything, the fact that the dude is dropping a comedy special... And everybody's talking about it. Already, tell you. just says says enough right there. Right. And and remember, for the longest, Eddie was out here like, "Yo, I just don't want to bomb." Right. Because he knew he had to bomb to get back to being Eddie Murphy. And that's the thing too. And not to not to not to call out my co-host, but the one thing that uh, me and him talked about it, Edgar, and like I didn't fucking agree with this at all. Where he said, "I don't think he's gonna put in the work." And I'm just like, that's such a, that's a mind-blowing take to have that you don't think, the dude knows what he has to do to put in the work. I don't think Eddie Murphy would take, he would do another Meet Dave. He would do another Pluto Nash right. that doesn't require the work instead of doing a stand-up comedy special 
that has to, you have to you make have sure. You have to do the work. You have to. And he's going on tour. He's not just going to do a one-off special. He's going to go on which from what his, I hear. Which his tour is his open mics. Yeah. Because if you're Eddie Murphy, now me as a stand-up, my best, my best gauge of, of comedy is if I do some regular open mics, which I hate them out here. Everybody knows who knows me that. Mm. Those open mics out here fucking suck. Yeah. But when I have a show, I'll weave in new material. Right. You know what I'm saying? Eddie Murphy has the privilege to be able to go to theaters, comedy clubs, and arenas, all three, to workshop material in front of real crowds who are going to give him a real gauge on his material. Mm-hmm. You're talking about a man who is a genius at his craft, has been a genius at his craft since he was like 18? Mm-hmm. You're telling me this is not going to be putting in the work when yeah. he no? Come on, now. It's, it's, it's insane, bro. It's And like I said, not to call him out, because I, I think he's just... Saying what a lot of people are thinking. No, no, no. And, and I, I mean, and, I respect. And I respect a lot of people. You but know, it think, is such a wild take. But I think that's because of the day and age we live in. Yeah, where everybody thinks that nobody's going to put in the work for something, especially when you hear Eddie got like fifty to seventy million or whatever it is. You hear he's got this large amount of money. You automatically would assume like, oh, well, he good no matter what. He ain't got to right. put the work in. But that's his legacy. Yeah. You. Yeah. That's the thing. You think he don't want this? This is legacy. The dude is about to be sixty. He hasn't done this since 87. 87. That's that's 32 years, bro. Like, listen, (laughs) I'm in the entertainment industry. You in the entertainment industry, bro. Yeah. Even when you get to a certain point, you still don't want to fucking embarrass yourself. Like, even if you do bad, quote unquote, bad movies, right? Mm. And you just out there, what people say, collecting the check, right? You going on stage alone, bro. No matter what, at the end of the day, there's no editors. Want, yeah. Man, come on. You man. don't want I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck who you are. Bombing doesn't and, and doing live shit and bombing does not feel good. Hell. I don't man. care how confident you are. Hell. It man. is the worst fucking feeling in something. the world. And bombing man. in front of black people to make you want to kill your motherfuckers out. Shit, man. Boy, I I swear I've done stand-up shows where like back at the crib back in Chicago where I bombed and it's the bomb is so bad where people don't do or say anything. It's worse. They just look at you. Do you understand how bad that is when nobody wants to even invest in a little bit of energy to fucking ignore you? Yeah. It's you know, worse. It's just like, all right, whatever. Yeah. I'm like, oh, cool. how long? How much longer I got to be? <laughs> Shit. Shit. Yeah. Oh, was, that, was that the light? Was that the light? The, oh, oh, no, that was just me blinking? Oh, fuck. That's not. But yeah, when it comes to, and then I also, because everybody's like, well, what is he going to talk about? Is he still going to be the same Eddie Murphy? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I went on a rant about people, how they felt about Dave special. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? About sticks and stones. Because my biggest thing was everything Dave said in this special had a point. You know, some people were like, oh, well, he punched down. Which, by the way, punching down has never been a phrase before like five, six years ago. <laughs> that, is a, that is a brand new phrase. Mm. Maybe maybe eight at the most. Mm. Punch down is a brand new phrase in stand-up. Let's, let's not act like this phrase has been around. Somebody who was listening to stand-up who's not a comic got mad and was like, you should punch up, not punch down. Let me yeah. stop. But <laughs> everything Dave did in that special, he's always been doing. Right. That's been Dave. Go watch Killing Them Softly. Go watch all of Dave's old joints. Watch his Def Jam special. Yeah. His, you know what I'm saying? His comic relief joint. Dave has always been this dude. He's always been this dude. I mean, the the argument that a lot of people 
And I, you know, I'm on the record on this show many times saying I'm I'm tired of being offended by comedy. Like people being yeah. offended by comedy. And then the argument people say, you know, one, there was a tweet or a meme going around saying, man, Dave ain't changed. Y'all changed. And then somebody was like, yeah, that's the point, right? And I'm like, okay, I, I get that we've changed as a fucking society, as a community, as... And then also, let's be real, it's also very much of a bubble change. Yes, it is. <laughs> like, very much so. Uh, and on our West Coast bubble, East Coast bubble, you know, the, the, the progressive bubble that we live in, it's a change there, which is fair. But the whole, like, yes, we've changed. I, I 100% get that. But I, you know, like, thinking, saying you can't laugh at shit that for something that somebody is known for is kind of a weird it's, it's kind of I, I think sometimes it's asking too much this is me as a stand up this is this is how you know it is for real if you say a black stereotypical joke mm -hmm. if it's a funny thing that makes me laugh and think about it you good but if you're just trying to be blatantly insultful right then that's the whole thing that's when that's when I catch offense to it as a black dude, if you say some sh like I hear comics go on stage all day, every day, talking about, oh man, fuck these kids. I don't like kids. I'm a father too. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Say something that's gonna be funny behind it. Because I've had moments with my kids. I'd be like, man, fuck these kids. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, I've had right. these moments, so I'm not gonna automatically get offended at that. Right. And I can't like if you say a racist type joke. If it's if it has if it's not ill intention behind it, if it's some funny shit you can say, mm -hmm. like I said, that I've never heard, and you're like, damn, because I might have seen it or thought about it with with some of my black homies. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Some motherfuckers I grew up with. Then I'm cool. I understand where people were coming from heavily when they were like, well, many members of the transgender community have been murdered, and I'm like, yes, that is unfortunate, but also you have to learn to laugh through your pain. And listen to what he was saying. He wasn't making fun of the fact that transgender people have been murdered or their plight. He's saying everybody should laugh at their own differences, no matter what. And I, I, I agree with you. I'm tired of people being offended for comedy. I'm tired of people, comedians even acting like they have to walk on eggshells. Mm -hmm. Why? Stand-up comedians are supposed to be that bastion that puts the world and the perspective in front of people in a way you never thought about it. Mm -hmm. That is why we're able to do what we do. You know what I'm saying? We make you look at the world from a whole nother perspective and laugh at some of this shit that you were like, fuck, this is real. Mm. Louis C.K., regardless of the other issues, and I'm not dismissing them, I'm going off his stand-up alone, has said a lot of dark shit that when people sit back and listen to it, you're like, yo, I never thought of it that way. So we have to look at all these different things. Again, I'm a father. I'm a black man. I... I have some of my best friends are Asian, white, Hispanic, everything. And we've all learned to laugh, love, and cry together and get mad about some shit together. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? But stand-up is that one thing where now it seems like people are going to shows looking to be offended. You get people going into shows like, well, it's only a matter of time for this comic says something that's going to piss me off. Right. You can't do that. Don't do that. It is a weird thing. You know, whenever we talk about a lot of stand-up now... It, it doesn't go too far before we get to the social aspect of what the content was, which is which isn't a new thing. 
No, it's yeah, never it's been not, new. It's never been a new thing. That's that's definitely something that has always been the case. Look, I'll, well, bro, let's, a, let's go. I'm sorry to cut you off. Let's no, go good. back to Eddie's original shit. In yeah. Raw and Delirious, Eddie had what, be consi- what can be considered a very bunch amount of homophobic shit. Oh, it is. Yeah. It's very homophobic. Yeah, very homophobic. You know what I'm saying? And, and the reason I say it can be considered because some people don't look at it that way. True. That's the reason I have to say it that way because everybody does not. The, the majority may see it one way. The majority may see it another. Mm-hmm. So we have to look at it that way. Eddie said a bunch of shit. But you know what was crazy? Is not throughout all that, you had a group of gay men and women who still loved Eddie Murphy. So it's like we try to take something that offends us in a small portion in that bubble you were just talking about and make it apply to the large. And we just can't, unfortunately. Mm. Now, don't get me wrong. If the larger amount starts saying something, then yes, the larger majority takes ownership, takes value over everything else. But if it's a minority that's just being overly vocal, again, whether it be the LGBT community, the black community, the Latinx community, any any community of sort that feels like we're marginalized, and in many cases not feels like we are, if it's a vocal minority, we got to look at that the difference from the majority, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because I just feel like Coming up in Chicago, I, I from coming from Chicago to coming to Los Angeles, it has allowed me to realize how much things are viewed differently. L.A. is in its own bubble. Yeah, it is. Man. It's in its own bubble because people have people from so many different cities, states, cultures around the world. We consider L.A. to represent the world. No, we have those people from those small pockets in those areas who felt they want to come with like-minded and like-viewed individuals and come in that bubble. Now, everybody don't follow in that bubble because I know I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm a dude that's going to tell you how I feel about something. If you get upset about it, that's your fault because you chose to get upset and not understand why I'm telling you why, why I feel the way I feel. Now, my thing is an opinion. It's an opinion. It ain't fact. Right. But here's my opinion why. And you have that bubble who's like, oh, well, you're automatically wrong. Like, that's not how that goes. Yeah. I mean, I there is a lot of non-conversation going on with a lot of fucking topics where it's just uh, A, A automatically equals B, right? Yeah. And sometimes A doesn't equal B, man. Like, sometimes you, you get A. And you got to work around before you get to be right. You there's a lot of shit before you get to be. There's mm-hmm. a lot of shades of gray. There's a lot, and shades of gray is probably there's there's a lot of nuance that isn't being discussed discussed with mm-hmm. a lot of fucking things. I definitely want to ask you a question, but first let me introduce because you're dropping this knowledge already on us, <laughs> and I want people to know where the knowledge is coming from. Uh, now, don't listen, man. My heart my heart gets very fucking happy when I get a fellow Chicagoan in this room. Southside Chicago? Yes, indeed. From where? Well, where, Se- what area? 76 and Winchester. There you go. There you go. I grew up in the West Pullman area. Yeah, like, uh, oh, 111. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I know where you are. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then I also lived in Hyde Park for a little well, bit, You too. started getting bougie, man. Yeah, I started getting... Then I went my ass to the north side and completed my bougieness. You, you completed your mecca <laughs> yeah. where you went from. Uh, yeah, when I went to college, I was like, all right, I guess I'll be on the north side. Uh, but yeah, I got the homie, comedian, actor, host of the Mad Titan podcast, which is a pretty fucking dope podcast. Uh, I, I, if you are a fan of comic books, comic movies, and that whole genre and 
uh, uh, pocket of the entertainment world. We got Jay Washington in the crib, y'all. How you doing, brother? Hey, man, I'm glad to be here, man. Good thank you, you, thank you for letting me know that you're a fan of Mad Titan, man. Because that's yeah. one of yo one of the things. Because like I, I tell everybody, and I even say it on the show like every week. There are a million different Marvel and DC comic book TV shows and movie shows you can listen to that review it and talk about it. Mm-hmm. I always make sure people know my shit is barbershop talk for nerds. Yeah. So we yeah. keep this shit just real. It's A100. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to say some things about some of your favorite characters you might not like like or situations. But if you're going to be in your feelings, this ain't for you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because when I tell you something... When I tell you something, I'm like I said earlier, I'm gonna make sure I have my my points and my facts behind it to back it up. Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. which is which is important. I mean, like that's the thing. I, we I think we're all people are fucking afraid of a different opinion. And I'm not even gonna say I'm not in that round. Like I think everybody has that in some fucking shape, mm-hmm. form, or fashion, right? Uh, but now now we are my opinion, or you're against me. And I think that, and I and I think the reason that is, and this isn't a question I want to ask you. I'll I'll circle back to it. But I think the reason that is, is because there are, there are things where that is, the correct fucking take yeah, to have. I, I get what you say. Yeah, racism. Yeah, absolutely. Either you're with me, or, or you're, you're against, against me. me. Plain and simple. Uh, homophobia. Either, Either you're, you're with me or, or you're, you're against, against me. me. Like you know. So there are so. So that's why it's such a sticky subject because it is, there are things in our life, in our society, in our world where it is, if you don't agree with me, then you're wrong type thing, right? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Like if you don't, if you are racist, you're wrong and I don't have to see your point of view. I don't have to, right. But I think that we take that and we apply it to things that it doesn't need to be applied to. Oh, no, no, think, they don't think about it. We definitely yeah. do. We apply that mentality to a lot of shit that it doesn't apply to. Yeah. There are things, like you said, racism, homophobia, sexism, things exactly. like that. Yes, it is. Look, this is just right and wrong. Right. But I'll even go one I just brought up earlier, taking care of your kids. Mm-hmm. There are so many people who are saying, this is how you should bring up your kids. And the problem is, they don't have kids. Right. And they don't have your kids. And they don't have my kids. <laughs> and that's nothing. You don't yeah. have my kids. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And I'm, by no means am I ever going to say my babies are the, the best or the worst. Like, I love my kids, my son and my daughter. They, My son is excelling in school. Mm. He's an honor student being scouted by colleges for football. He is a sophomore on the varsity team starting and a captain. That's great. My daughter is six, who she just turned six, and now she is a little dynamo and a mini genius in her own right so i love my and she has too much energy for herself but you can't tell me how to raise my kids because you the only two people who can tell me how to raise my kids are myself and my kids mothers Mm -hmm. that's it that's it that's it but people have opinions that they feel like because how they feel about it it's fact and i think a problem becomes social media and here's why I say that, because social media has given a lot of people, a lot of us power, and I say us as a general, a lot of power when we think we have when we don't because of numbers. Mm, right. You think you get 25,000 retweets and likes. Oh, shit. You that a dude. Lot, you that a chick. A lot of people agree with me. Right. You can say what you say and what you say is law. And that's not how it goes. Mm-hmm. That's not how it goes. You know what I'm saying? If you say something and it is just blatantly wrong, people are going to challenge you on that. Now, if you have you say something that's blatantly wrong and you get a, a, that 25,000 people that agree with you, guess what? You're going to have 25,000 more that's going to tell you why the hell you're wrong. Right. Because, yeah, again, those side, those vocal minorities, 
that are trying to just be outward and just be like, yo, we here. This is what it is. Like, uh, calm down, sir. Mm-hmm. Calm down, man. I mean, yeah, dude, go go look at, you know, for I, I, I we do have some because people have written reviews on the show. We do have, uh, you know, some Trump fans and like conservatives that listen to this show, which is very surprising to me. But welcome, niggas. Uh, <laughs> but also yeah. go. But for the most of our audiences, progressive, yeah. liberal, you know, type audience. Listen, for every progressive tweet that you like that have 100,000 likes and shit, there's a conservative tweet that you hate that also that has 100,000 100, likes and shit to it. And I feel like that, if people don't circle back around to that People concept, forget the balance. Yeah. We, I remember back in, the, one of the big things people used to always say was the yin and yang of things. Yeah. The balance. There is a balance to every fucking thing. Like me, like you said, when it comes to Trump supporters, I have people who I know who voted for dude, and I told him, like, I really can never look at you the same way. Yeah. They were like, why not? Because of my political stance. Not even just your political stance, your moral stance. Mm-hmm. That's the whole thing about morality. But then I know people, when it came to certain Democratic candidates, I was like, I still can't look at you that way. They was like, why? Because of who I'm voting for? Yeah, because of your stance. Mm-hmm. So, again, that circles back to the whole thing. People forget. People want it. it seesaws work off balance. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Seesaws work off balance. You put one, you put too much weight on one side, the uh, one at, one end is way down, the other pops in the air. Unless it is balanced in the middle, or there's two equal weights distributed on both sides, that is how you level it out. Yes, I use the fucking seesaw reference for y'all. <laughs> <on this pop. laughs> I love it. I love it. Seesaws are also fucking terrifying. Uh, yo, because you the bitches as an adult, I was like, man, we used to do this shit as kids. <laughs> yo, I did that shit with my daughter. Do- now look, my daughter is nowhere near the weight that I am. <laughs> nowhere, and I know she's gonna go up when I go right, down. Right, right, right. But however, I was like, yo, this is... <laughs> I don't like this shit. I'm like, dude. She's like, come on, daddy. Uh, baby, no. Daddy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Daddy has this thing called he wants to live. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. We about eight inches off the ground now, baby. I see I see death. Have you ever done a swing as an yeah, adult? Yeah, I have. I don't like it. I, f- I don't man, like it. Man, I used to do swing so hard and jump for shit. distance. Well, nigga. <laughs> nigga jump for distance Nigga I'll be like Alright how, how am I up Okay if I go up I'm, I'm already doing the math And uh-huh, the geometry uh-huh. And the, you know And the calculus And the physics in my head But now I was Swinging on my daughter And my daughter I'll never forget This was like last summer or so And we were at the park And she was like Come on daddy We should jump I said uh, baby We should not Because uh, daddy has a career <laughs> Right Right daddy, daddy got shit to think. We got da- I need ankles Daddy needs his ankles And his knees <laughs> Which neither one Will be intact If daddy does this shit Yeah Yeah That shit is wild dude uh, Let's circle back to a question I want to ask you about the, the whole comedy thing Yeah What do you This is This, is, this may be a hard Thing to answer But as a stand-up comedian, and as a stand-up comedian in a uh, group that is a marginalized group, mm-hmm. what do you think has changed in the way we view comedy as opposed to oh, even five this ain't years a, this ago, ain't a hard years this ago. ain't a fucking hard question. Right, bet, bet, there are more bet. people offended for me than should be offended for me. That shouldn't be offended for me. Oh, okay, so and so before before you get more <laughs> of that answer, let me make sure I'm understanding you correctly. Because this is a problem I've also had before, <laughs> where I say I'm tired of white people telling me what I should or shouldn't be offended. Yeah. By. 
Okay. And again, okay. Uh, let me pre- I posted yeah. this meme on Twitter and Facebook so people can never get this shit misconstrued. Don't mistake my black pride for white hate. I love my white friends too. Yeah, absolutely. I got motherfuckers I will ride to ride or die with to this day. Yeah. But I'm t- you cannot be offended for me if I'm not offended. That's true. You can't be at a comedy show and a dude, if it's a comic on stage, I don't know this dude from Adam. You know what I'm saying? And dude tell a racist joke, but the way he delivers it and the wording he does and the nuances behind it has it where it makes you think and it's hilarious and I laugh and you offended, calm the fuck down. So let me ask you this then. And I don't have an answer for this. I don't think I've ever asked anybody this. Because I think what a, a counter argument could be is, well, if I'm not offended, then how do I, how do I, or uh, not so much, if I'm not offended for you, then how do I show my allyship? How do I show that I don't you're like still, this? You're so still an ally. About that. So you still, you still are an ally in regards if you're offended, if you're upset. Yeah, exactly. If you're upset, mm-hmm. but you can't be upset for me. Gotcha. You can be upset for you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a problem. A lot of people went if if and, and listen, there's a, a men men and women, white, black. There's other races too. <laughs> like we always everybody always says white, black, but uh white and then people of color. There I think the thing is why a lot of our non-melanin brothers and sisters get offended for the other person is because they can't see themselves in the group that's being talked about. Absolutely. And that and and that's why it's not so much they're offended just for themselves, is that I'm offended for you. Well, no, you should be offended for yourself because this is we're all at the end of the day, right? Human beings. Uh-huh. Blah 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 blah. So like these differences that we have that are only uh differed by skin color or gender or mm. orientation and things like that shouldn't mean that you can't feel the same offense that I feel when somebody is degrading another human being, right? Right. And I think that's the issue is a lot of people, a lot of the quote unquote white liberal or the super woke progressive super ones. Super woke progressive ones, because that can also include some non white people. Too. Yes, it does. Uh, it very much does. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, a lot of people have not learned. A lot of people, that's being offended for somebody is an easy way to be woke. Yes, it is. Because you are not taking on that burden yourself. You are just saying, I know it hurts you. Look. And that shouldn't, that, yeah, motherfucker, it hurts me. <laughs> it's look, somebody calls get, me a nigga. I get you can never, if you're not a black person, you can never understand what it's like to live a day in my shoes. Right. Do not tell me how hurt that makes you because guess what? It doesn't. Exactly. Because it doesn't. And, and some people may be like, what do you mean? You will never trade your regular life to wake up my life, wake up with my life. So wake up even black, just in general. Mm-hmm. Every... Paul Mooney said it best, and people keep quoting it. Everybody wants to be a nigga, but nobody really wants to be a nigga. Meaning, you want the culture, you want the lifestyle, you want the slang, the vernacular, everything behind it. But the one thing you can't, the one thing you would really need that you get, you won't have, you don't want. The skin tone. Now, I'm not going to say by any means, like, I know a lot of white people I grew up with who grew up in the, you know what I'm saying, grew up around niggas. And, like, mm-hmm. if you talk to them on the phone before you saw them, you'd be like, that's a black dude or a black girl. Mm-hmm. 
and you're like, okay, they understand, they can see it, but at the same time, they've still had to realize, oh, no matter how much I'm with them, how much I grew up around them, there's still one very big difference between the two of us. And that difference is, for some people, may not seem like much because we're all human, but it is a lot. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you can't go through what a black person goes through. If you're a dude, you can't go through what a woman goes through. If you're a straight person, you can't go through what a member of the LGBT community goes through. So many things. So don't try to feel, because if you sit there and try to say, well, what would my life be like if I was in that situation? You'll drive yourself fucking insane. Mm-hmm. So stop that. You can be upset because like, yo, this is fucked up. When I hear a blatantly sexist, bogus joke, I'm upset. Why? Because I have a daughter. Why? Because I, I had a mother, two daughters mothers. I have my friends who are women. Mm-hmm. Yo, like you're bogus, dude. I get more. I get upset at that, and I get upset at dudes who try to be like, you know, men are just shit. Mm, I hate, but man, <laughs> look, I, look, like who you fronting for, bro? Who you, bro, stop. <laughs> like yeah, every time I, for? every time I see that on social media, and I see somebody throw up the uh, the gif behind it that says she not gonna fuck you, dude. I'm like, yo, I, I think that's the realest thing. Mm-hmm. Look, I always say this: if you are a male feminist, you do not need to say it. Your actions speak louder than your words. Mm-hmm. If you are about women being treated equal and if not doing, and in some cases doing better than you, because I know a bunch of women yeah. who are better than me in a lot of shit. And I, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but even an extra point of clarification is when you say you don't have to say it, that doesn't mean don't speak up. Yeah, d- d- absolutely. Doesn't mean absolutely. don't speak it do, up. It doesn't mean do not speak up. Right. It's the dudes who want to make sure they make it known. I'm a male feminist. Bruh, mm-hmm. stop fucking stop you don't need to mm-hmm. your actions will determine that every the women who are close to me in my life who've gotten to know me who know me personally know if push come to shove and shit goes down i'm like your big brother ready to stump somebody's earlobes together for you <laughs> beyond a shadow of a doubt mm-hmm. you ain't even gotta you ain't gotta say shit twice you know what i'm saying you ain't gotta say shit say shit twice you ain't even gotta say, say it again just let me know look at me cool i'm gonna handle this mm-hmm I don't have to, hey, buddy, listen, what you're doing is completely wrong. You know what I'm saying? I'm a male feminist. I believe in everything. But fuck that. No, no. First of all, I know enough women who can handle shit on their own, by the way. Like, I'm that dude. Like, if I see, I swear to God, I had a homegirl back home in Chicago. She used to run an open mic. There was a dude who was an asshole in the scene. Everybody was like, yo, he's he was real just like straight bogus. Everybody knew just completely. She told him, she was like, yo, you're not getting on my list. I'm not putting you up on the stage, whatever. He started trying to cuss her out. So for the first two minutes, I sat back. I was like, yo, she work in the Chicago Public High School. She got this Michelle Pfeiffer shit going on. She can handle herself. Yes, nigga, I said Pfeiffer. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm like, she can can handle herself, right? Mm -hmm. So dude, she was arguing back for her. So then dude called herself trying to get big and bad and stand up and get brody. That's when I, that's, that's the moment when I intercede. Like, yo, man. Go on your ass outside. Mm-hmm. So then dude came to me, was like, what you going to do, little bitch? <laughs> it's like, well, I felt like Marty McFly when it's like, nobody calls me chicken. Right. Because right. all of a sudden for me, 
my south side of Chicago. Here's a little little inside tip about Jay Washington. When he gets really mad for some reason, he goes from being from the south side of Chicago to sound like he's straight out of Brooklyn, New York. <laughs> Don't know why that is. I was like, yo, who the fuck you think you talking to? Yeah. I was like, I will stomp your motherfucking earlobes together and kick your spine out the back of your back. Like that's a, that's that's still a Chicago <laughs> saying, bro. That 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 extra that extra talk that extra talk. <laughs> yeah. But it was but but I say all that to say where is. My actions yeah. speak what who I am and what I am, exactly. what I'm about. My actions do that. It ain't about my words. I could tweet all day. I could t- text all day. I could write a soliloquy. And people do. And then when it comes down for that action, where are you? Where are you? Right. Yo, it's cool to be vocal on social media. It's cool to be vocal behind a keyboard. Right. Be vocal in person. Because being vocal behind a keyboard is very easy. And like <sighs> you said, and like you said, Especially when you get the likes and the tweet, retweets and everything like that. Yeah, I have, I have, I have one. I have one point that I want to get your opinion on, and I'm gonna do that right after we pay these bills. We will be back. Yo, 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 we back. Jockey's here. Culture Kings. We got the homie Jay Washington in the room. Comedian, actor. Host of the Mad Titans podcast. We've been having some real talk about the just stand up and fucking people and the way we interact with each other and get mad and all this, all the dope, dope, all the not the dope shit, but all the shit that makes us the 2019 fucking circle that we are. Yeah. Uh, here's something that I, the Dave Chappelle shit happened with the first stand up special. Really? Mm. Uh, when, uh, was it the first one? Maybe no, the actually, one. it wasn't even with it the special. The it wasn't even with the special. It was when the shit got leaked when he was somebody was recording with a cell phone. Oh, okay. When he was working out material. Gotcha. That's when it all. That is when it all started. Yeah. People keep going off his Netflix. Nah, that's because that between that and the Hannibal Burris shit with Bill Cosby, with the Bill Cosby joint, with the reasons now in majority of their shows you have to lock your phone up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, which is a point that a point that I'm, and as I'm going through this point in my head, I'm, no, I'm just, talking myself I, out. Say of it. it, no, don't talk yourself we out are, of it. Say it all. We are, we are going to stand ups for the moral high ground that I feel like we didn't used to back in the day. Yeah, we we shouldn't, and I, I, I this is what's happening. People. Like, Sorry to cut you off. No, no, you good. People are taking like George Carlin was a a social activist, a voice on things going on, right? And you have those voices. However, my job is to be funny to make you laugh right. at the absurdities I witness in life, right? How I witness them. Now, if you're gonna laugh at it, you are. If you're not, you're not. My job is not to tell you what is morally correct and wrong in the world. I can try to convey that message, mm-hmm. but that's not what my overall job but is. But it's also just one person's opinion when that happens. Yes. That is one person's opinion. So we have stand-up comedians and entertainers who have such a large outreach. You reach millions of fucking peoples with every word that you say, right? Uh, depending on, like, the status of your yeah, absolutely. career. Uh, hundreds of thousands and millions of people. But it's still, at the end of the day, just one person's opinion, and everybody doesn't have the same moral understanding or the same moral 
ground that you may have, right? Mm -hmm. And the fact that we are looking at, <laughs> I, I think about this when we, you know, people's like, well, you ain't got to offend nobody with stand up or comedy. All right, fine. Let's say we don't offend people with words, right? Let's go back to the Three Stooges. They, they were violence person. They were violent as fuck. Violent. My <laughs> like, aunt, as a kid, my aunt did not want me to watch them. I love the Stooges. Yeah. I'm a little boy. I love the Stooges. But my aunt was like, no. And I used to try to figure out, like, why. Mm -hmm. As I started getting older, just in my teen years, I was like, yo, these walks are beyond violent. It's very violent. It's very violent, <laughs> right? But that would be considered, like, nobody would, slapstick comedy, for instance. Mm. Ain't nobody watching that and saying, mm. yeah, you, you know, basically uh, inflicting physical pain on people that could kill somebody. Maybe that's not a good thing to laugh at either. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not going to them saying, like, nah. this is how we should treat people. This is how we should interact with our friends. We should, we should fucking slap them on their fucking faces and stuff like that, mm -hmm. right? And that may be a very small deduction of the overall issue, but it's the thing that popped in my fucking mind. I don't understand why we look at entertainers in general for any type of moral superiority or high ground. Like when people come to me or Edgar, we talk, me and Edgar talk about this all the time and say, can I get your opinion on this and stuff like that? Look, I appreciate that you value our opinion and yeah. I'll, I'll talk to you and, uh, you know, and I'll give you my opinion on it. But I'm just one person, bro. At the end of the day. <laughs> like, at the I'm end just of one the... fucking person. Like, yeah. ain't nothing. I'm going to, don't take what I say and then go out into the world and be like, but Jackie's told me that now, nah, man. It's like, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no, no, you got to take it from a whole bunch of sources and then build your own fucking like sense of. Tell you something. I, I said this. Uh, on the review I did about Sticks and Stones, and I've said it before to many other people, and it's something a lot of people don't want to hear, but it's the unfortunate truth. It's one simple little thing. The world is not nice. Mm -hmm. The world is not nice. I understand we're trying to make society be better and trying to keep going, oh, well, we all should get along. You know what happens when you try to make everybody get along? There's more pushback than it was before. Mm-hmm. Again, you have to have, unfortunately for this one too, you have to have that balance. There are going to be assholes in life, no matter what. And it's not saying comedians are the assholes, but you're going to have those assholes. You're going to have those nice people. Comedians are going to talk about stuff. Again, as long as the comic is not being blatantly racist, offensive, sexist, homophobic, transphobic, and a bunch of others, blatantly. If they say something you construe as you you can you you take as transphobic, homophobic, or what the others that I mentioned, but you take it out of context, that's on you. Mm -hmm. That's on you. And that's what's happening too. Because yeah, when and when people are looking for comedians to be this this bastion of moral superiority, they're taking things that they say out of context. Again, we bring up the Dave Chappelle special. When Dave did the joke about the LGBT community in the car. He even earlier in the special said, I'm going to say a lot of shit and you'll pick one thing to be offended about. You see what I'm saying? Mm. You can't and you pick one thing out of a lot of shit that all goes together. So now you take it out of context. 
Now you focusing yeah. in on something. Um, that just happened with. Have you seen it too? Uh, I heard about it. So here's the thing: people know I can review movies and shit like that. Mm-hmm. But like, yes, I saw Avengers Endgame like seven to eight times. Suck my ass. <laughs> but I have this thing about going to the theaters for certain three hour movies. I'm not sure, especially horror movies are one of them things. Like my soul, I'm a horror movie fan. Three hours, yeah, but long, yeah, supposedly the the changing of what brought Pennywise out the second time, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the 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 beginning of the movie. Yeah. So there is, yeah, in that movie, the movie, first of all, the movie is about a a, 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 a demon clown yes. that focuses on your fears and makes you, and brings them out in real and feeds yeah. off of yeah. it, right? So the movie has a lot of things in it that are bad. Homophobia, domestic abuse, racism. Toxic masculinity. <laughs> like, it has a lot of shit in the movie that have that have big-ass spotlights on it, right? Mm. And somebody wrote an article. Of course somebody wrote an article. Right, saying, like, mm, Pennywise isn't the LG. The, I, the, the, LB, ally we, yeah. the ally we thought. And I was just like, first of all, get a fucking life. Second, <laughs> like, get a fucking life. It's a clown in a horror oh. movie. Like, get a fucking life. You just took the words out of my mouth, bro. Second of all, this is the intersectionality part that always pisses me off. I get that we have at the forefront the grievances that affect the communities that we are in. Mm. I get that. So as a black person, of course, things that affect the black community will perk my ears a little bit harder than other things. I get that. But it's a conscious thing that you have to be conscious of, right? I have to be conscious that I'm not the only person struggling with marginalization, right? Mm -hmm. I have to know that my plight as a black man in this country isn't more important than somebody in the LGBTQ community, right? It is it, And the thing that pissed me off about that article was you focused on that one thing when in this movie they call black parents crackheads, they call they literally beat a woman, a man beats a woman for 3 minutes in the movie. Uh, like there's so much shit in this movie and the thing that you write an entire fucking article about is how a fucking demon clown is an ally. That is the intersectionality that is lacking because you, to go off what you're saying, mm-hmm. like you just pick one thing, pick one thing when there's a myriad of things yep, and you pick that one thing and say, this is what I'm offended by. The other shit though, eh, it's a movie, but this thing. And it's like, no, if you're, listen, listen, first of all, if you're offended by one, it's weird to me. But if you're going to be offended by one thing, at least acknowledge the other shit that's going on and in also, the movie. And also, because I know people will say, well, you all just said earlier, don't be offended for this. No, 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 no. This is a different thing. Because what, what we're talking about in this situation is you basically just said, like you just said, everything else is, eh, that happened, whatever. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. And again, when you, I saw the article. 
Because mm-hmm. I was I, I was gonna go see it, and I, the day I was gonna go see it, I saw that article, and I said, "Are you motherfucking kidding me?" Pennywise is a character created by Stephen King in a horror book, okay? Mm-hmm. That was turned into adapted into a movie, into two movies, and your first thing is that a demon clown, <laughs> a demon. Yeah. Clown yeah. is not an ally Insane. to the LGBT community. Insane. A, if you got to hear me keep I, saying, I want people listen, to write it down to understand. I, and I want to be very clear. If a black person <laughs> would have wrote a, a, that same article saying, mm, Pennywise is a racist clown, I'm like, nigga, shut up. Like, yeah, he races. He everything. He's, <laughs> he, every, he's everything. The, he he feeds, eats children. He eats babies. <laughs> like the, I'm a parent. He eats he, babies. He eats kids, nigga. Like, <laughs> nigga, what are y'all talking what about? What you would hope are you looking for in this demon? Out of a clown. What did you want this nigga to have all of a sudden rainbow balloons and then now you're cool? Or you want this nigga to have a black power fist and now you cool? <laughs> Fuck out of here, nigga. It's a demon clown. He is an equal opportunity asshole, bro. And I'm telling you, real talk, if Derry was real and I saw this clown, aside running, I'm going for the nearest gun. Yeah. I, I might not work, but nigga, we get the shot out of this. Yeah. yeah. It's a de- You cannot look for it. That's a problem I have, too. People taking fic- fictional characters that don't have this overall thing and try to make it more. Mm-hmm. I saw somebody trying to say that this whole movie was an allegory for such and such. No, no, no. You made it an allegory for that. Mm-hmm. If the, if Stephen King himself has never said, well, when I created this movie, I wanted to be this. Instead of just saying, I wanted to scare the shit out of y'all. Then you can say it's all this. People got to stop trying to make their own interpretations of shit, too. Yeah. And acting like that is law. Because yeah. it's not. It's not. And that shit is frustrating, yo. Like, you can't do that, bro. I love this conversation. I love when we have real fucking conversations. And I want people to realize this is a conversation. If either one of us are saying things that is making you say, mm, I don't agree with that. That's fair. That's fair. It's absolutely fair. That's yeah. fair. Like, we're not, I'm not saying thing. I, I can't speak for Jay. I'm not saying anything to say this is how you should feel. I'm saying this is how my brain works. This is what I'm thinking. Right? And, and like I said earlier, if I'm going to tell you how I feel about something, here's the facts behind it. Right. And I understand there is a lot of there's there's so much. There there's always another side of every coin. Absolutely. So let's talk about that other side of every coin. Oh, me? Uh, because oh, oh shit, what, is... what I do? No, no, no. I was, I was no, like, no, no. I was not like, you. I was like, my career says a lot yeah, of shit. Yo, your <laughs> career says a lot of shit, bro. Let's talk about. <laughs> no, not you, not you. But just in, like, so what we're talking about? How we say, all right, man, you really can't get this from entertainment, people. You can't get this from stand up. You can't get these from movies. You can't get this from this, that, this, that, this, that. And it's a big part of our life. Entertainment Mm -hmm. is a big part of our life. I'm an entertainer. I think art is literally uh, the only thing on this planet that makes us different than animals. (laughs) That's about fair. uh, Just art in general. And by art, I don't mean just movies. I mean books. Uh, and technology is art. I'm looking at the buildings. That's art. That's art. It's all art, bro. It's all creation, right? And our ability to create art for consumption Mm -hmm. uh, is what really separates us. Uh, If we're not going to get it from that, though, as a father, 
as a black man, as just a person on this planet, where, in your opinion, should we be getting? Where do we get these things from? Where do we get... Because, look, everybody isn't going to be on the same level, and we do need to learn things, right? That's yeah. another thing that's lacking is, all right, I didn't know this. I didn't see this from this point of view. While it's not your job to teach me of it, teach me about things, it is my job to go s- to hear things and then go seek the knowledge so I can grow a better understanding. Absolutely. And sometimes we forget that. <laughs> we forget that part of the, of the equation. Where where is a good source of that in home. your opinion? Home, first okay. and foremost. And when I say home, it does not always mean with your parents. Okay. There's an expression, home is where the heart is. You can learn by yourself. Mm. You could sit there and take things to study from every perspective on your own. As a father, it's my job. It's my children's mother. Yeah, my, my daughter and my son have different moms. If y'all ain't caught on yet, why I keep saying that? <laughs> But it's my kid, me and my, my children's mother's job to instill these values and things they need to know outside of what the school is going to teach them, outside of what the real world may show them later. Here's something to have a basis upon. It is kind of, and I know I just said earlier, some things we have to learn for ourselves. It is hard for people to learn for, by, by themselves because they can be influenced by so many different things. Mm-hmm. We have to just... It's it's where you you have this a measuring stick of sorts as a parent. The the what I do as a father is the measuring stick of what a man, a provider should be in the eyes of both my son and my daughter. That is the measuring stick. Mm -hmm. If I'm giving up on dreams and goals, if I'm half-assing things, if I'm not pushing, if I'm not communicating with my children, if I'm not trying to be there and all these things, then when they get older, this is what they saw, this is what they know, and this passes on and on and on and on until somebody finally breaks that cycle. When it comes to knowledge I know about, hey, this is how the world works with this. Here's this way. Now, these are some things I have the opinion on, but these are the facts as well. I'm giving you both sides of that coin. Mm-hmm. You have to have that measuring stick, that foundation that gives that. It's difficult for a lot because a lot of people grow up in homes where there's nobody there. But there's always somebody there that's not in that house. I think we have to just, I I grew up in that the community raises you. Yeah, me too. I grew up with that. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of people don't understand what that means because now you have people who live on blocks who don't know none of their neighbors. Yeah. Everybody knew everybody. Yeah. It's a very big, it's a, I mean, I'm sure everywhere, but it's a huge South side Chicago thing. It's a very big South side. When we were growing up, when we were growing up, it's a big thing we have where everybody knows everybody. So like my mom's friend down the street could check my ass if I'm doing something wrong and vice versa with my, you know, my mom's friends, kids. Mm-hmm. Because the community was raising us, you know, they're they're instilled, they're that foundation that instilling the values in us. Where we go from there is on our own because that's what we have that free will, right? And I think we need that foundation. Where do we get it from? We have to find that foundation. I know people use art as escapism. They have to remember that's what it is. It's escapism. It's not your. It's not your hold on go to. Yeah. It's escapism. Doesn't mean you can't pull things from art, but it can't be your only source. It can't be your only. Yeah. I think for me, 
something you said right at the beginning that was like, this is a very important way to, uh, of why you, of how you should get your own moral high ground, your own moral makeup is seek knowledge. Don't always let it come to you, yeah. right? And even when knowledge comes to you, seek the additional knowledge behind it because there's always more. And I think that's a big thing that we don't, I, I should stop saying we don't do because I know some people do. But that's a big thing that I think was important for me to realize is, oh, if you don't know something, yeah, somebody can tell you, you can ask for an opinion, you can go talk to somebody you trust and get like an actual verbal thing. Mm -hmm. But it's also on you to go look and try to gain that knowledge in some shape, form, or fashion, right? Now, there's a lot of shit out there that, you know, because you're still looking at opinion-based shit, right? So talking to people, talking to people in those different communities and things like that, and those different, and when we talk in social things, let, let's look at it from a sports perspective. I'm a basketball player, right? Mm. And I want to learn, I want to learn how to have a better inside game. What am I going to go do? Find somebody who was known for a great inside game to teach you. Exactly. I'm not just going like, to like get on the court, back somebody up, hit a hook shot, and be like, oh, I did that. I think I can do that from here on out. No, I'm <laughs> going to seek how to do that better and how to keep fucking doing that, right? Yep. So you, you, even if something comes to you, you still seek how to achieve it on a consistent basis, right? And no, and, and how to and how to achieve it even greater than what you think you can do it right. Yeah, and I'm t and now I'm talking like in the sports world, but that applies to life. I no, think it too, absolutely right? does. Yeah, think about it. When you become all artists, and I'm talking about the physical drawing artists, some have the natural gift to do it, mm -hmm. but as you want to get better, there are techniques you don't know. You have to go and learn them. Yeah, writers too. Writers too. Actors too. You, yeah, actors as well. Because like, there's certain things you can pick up on, but there's only it's only when someone from the outside gives you a perspective that you did not know mm -hmm. or did not see, mm -hmm. and then you keep fucking hammering in on that yep. perspective until it becomes a part of you. Right. Yep. That is the thing. We talked a little bit about sports, so I want to transition a little bit. That transition is going to come right after the break. We'll be back. We back, everybody. Jay in the building with Jackie's Culture Kings. All right, we've been talking. We've been talking some deep shit, some good shit, man. I, I I appreciate it. Hit us up on Twitter, Culture Kings Pod at Jackie's Neil. We'll get Jay. What's your What's your social? As well? Mr. J Washington. Mr. M J Washington. M R J A Y. You should really know how to spell Washington. Yeah, you should know how to spell. Some it. people be like, how do I spell Washington? Like, <laughs> you, uh, I, yeah, you shouldn't be on the internet. <laughs> Hit us up, man. Talk to talk to us. I mean, talk to me. I'm not gonna say talk to Jay. He may not want y'all niggas to talk to him. Stop playing. I talk. Uh, <laughs> I talk to people till you start talking stupid. Like right, right, once right. you talk, you see me on Twitter. Like you talk stupid. <laughs> that's when I got issues. Like yeah. Eh. yeah. So talk to us. You know, hit us up. Like, like uh, these are conversations that I feel like can be had, 
And uh, if we feel like having them, we'll have them. But I want to transition to something that I love. Our last guest was a writer on WWE, which was dope for me. Now I'm talking to, I've had also, you probably know Ryan. Uh, Nemeth. Too, Nemeth, yeah. I've had Ryan, him Ryan's the homie. Yeah. yeah, Ryan's the homie. Now I'm going to talk to, you're you're an interesting dude, bro. Uh, <laughs> Southside, and I love this, man. I, I love this so much because it is being from the Southside myself and having many things I'm interested in. Uh, I see a lot of that in you as well. Where, I mean, you know where we grew up. It was yeah. very. It's a very. It's a very. You don't have many things that you should be interested in as a black dude from Chicago. Not right? at all. And the fact that you are not only interested in you do stand up. You're an actor. You are big into nerd culture. Yeah. Uh, and you are a professional wrestler. Yes, I am. Uh, which is such a dope-ass combination <laughs> of things that, like, honestly, when we were growing up, would get you picked on. Actually, so when growing up, that's how I got into it. Yeah. So me, one of my best friends still to this day, Atlas, and a bunch of us growing up, we used to always mimic what we saw in World Class Championship and WWF mm-hmm. in my front lawn. So the front lawn was a square and there were no rings, and we would play the Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you got thrown on the concrete, <laughs> you were eliminated. Yep. And uh, we would do that, man. We would always wrestle, practice the wrestling moves and whatnot. And uh, even till our mid-teens and we got older, like we were damn near halfway grown still doing it. And then I remember when I was like 19 or so, my homeboy Atlas, he had joined Windy City Pro Wrestling. He had been there for a while. He was like, yo... I'm in Windy City. I've been in for some while. You know what I'm saying? I'm wrestling, blah, blah, blah. He's like, you should come down, check it out, see if you want to sign up. I was like, yo, let's do it. So I go down to Windy City. I meet Sam DeSero, the promoter, and we talk. And he was like, yeah, we'd love to have you aboard. It's $2,500. You need $500 now. I was like, well, I need not to be training here because mm-hmm. I don't have that type of dough. Mm-hmm. So like maybe several months later, not even years, months, uh, Atlas had left. And he was like, yo, I joined this other promotion that's got this thing going on. You come down there, it's like $40 a month to train. I was like, $40 a month? I swing that. So I joined, uh, met up with everybody. I remember going to it, looking at a wrestling ring up close and was like, yo. Like, not even up close as far as like I'm at a show, but like up close, like I'm finna get in this. Right. You know, like, yo, okay. Remember I started training and uh, remember like my second day of training, I caught what's called a fire drill. Fire drills, they have you take all the basic bumps, the falls you learn, but you taking them from everybody repeatedly, nonstop. It's toughening you up. I hear it is honestly one of the worst days in life. Your fire drill is the (laughs) the fire drill day is the day you decide you want to be a pro wrestler or not. Yeah. If you get through your fire drill day, you might be able to make it in this business. Yeah. Because your fire drill day is the day they're going to beat the shit out you. Mm -hmm. Because it's like it's a mental toughness. You have not just a physical, but a mental toughness you have to have for this business. Yeah. I took that fire drill. And when I was when they were done. I'll never forget. I was like, let's go. Come on. They were like, what? Like, let's keep on. Keep in mind, I'm nowhere near. I was nowhere near the size I am now. Mm-hmm. I was half my, I was damn near your size. Mm. Smaller, just taking the abuse, but like, this is what I want to do. And so then I started being able to train better and started having matches when I first started. I wrestled barefoot as an African Zulu dude with face paint on and a dashiki. Yo, I did all this crazy shit to wrestling with a kufi on. I was mm. a Black Panther esque. 
Um, then all of a sudden, you know, things started happening and started trying to divide, became a part of this tag team, team, damn it. And I was not myself. I was just Willie's tag. My my tag team partner was Willie DeBomb Richardson. It wasn't just me. It was just Willie's tag partner. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I got into this other company, Elite Pro Wrestling, where I got to do another gimmick called J.D. Hughes, where they separated me from my boys on purpose. I was pissed. I was like, yo, we always together. They separated me. And from there, I was able to create my own identity. The J.D. Hughes thing was cool. But when I went back to being Trauma, which was my wrestling name, it was like, oh, this is Willie and Trauma now because mm-hmm. it's two different people. And man, the rest had been, you know, was a great history, and it still is the present now. I stopped for a while, and I got back in. We can talk all about it, but yeah, yeah, yeah I saw, I saw, I saw on Twitter you had a clip of you in the ring, right? Yeah, man, I yeah. just I've been back in for the past four. So I took like a four year break, four or five year break because my stand up career and acting started happening. Man, I got a chance to do a lot of TV commercials, movies, and shit, and traveling the country doing stand up. So I didn't have the time mm-hmm. to wrestle anymore, and then it was like I still don't have the time to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. People are like, how do you do it now? I still don't have the time. But I got out here, and a bunch of people I knew that were in the WWE, in the WWE, TNA, Impact, whatever you want to call it, and people who were wrestling fans who some even knew who I was, like, yo, why you ain't in the ring? I was like, man, I couldn't do it. And then one day I just was like, no, I know what day it was. It was the day of All In mm. when I watched All In. AEW, mm-hmm. for those who don't know, it's a new wrestling promotion. Ocean. I watched it, and it was something about what they did that night that gave me a little bit more hope and spark in my business and my, my soul. And I was like, yo, fuck it. We doing it. I had bought new boots because I lost, I lost all my shit. I was homeless at one point, and all my shit was in my car. I lost all my wrestling gear and everything. Mm-hmm. But at one point, I had got a new pair of wrestling boots. I said, I'm going to use these joints. So after I saw AEW's all in, I was like, fuck this, I'm going. So I posted on t- on uh, Facebook, yo, does anybody have a wrestling ring I can get in and start working out? So when I did that, all of a sudden my boy was like, my boy Human Tornado was like, yo, I'm finna recommend you to some people. I was like, fuck it, let's do it. And the promotion was like, hey, you want to come do a match? Tornado speaks highly of you. Because I did a wrestling music video for Open Mike Eagle. Mm-hmm. So I was still in the ring fucking around with that. But I was like, all right, I can do it. So I got myself back for my first match in like June, July, and I was training for like two months nonstop hard. I was trying to run off all this ring rust, bro. My first match, I was a little slow because I hadn't been in a show in a while. Like I'd been in the ring training, right? But there's a whole difference. it's a whole different it's ball difference. game. Yeah, I was a little rusty. Next month came, it was boom, 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 boom. Everything had just been flowing on cylinders. And then like last, the last show I just did last week. When I recorded it, I looked at the clip because, like, the Claymore kick that everybody saw me do. Niggas was like, yo, you can get up that high. I was like, man, that was after taking an ass whooping. Imagine what I could do if I do it on my own. <laughs> so it's just, it's been great, man, because, again, it's, there's a love of that. And it's just, my body is great because I, you know, I, I, I cheated death last year. So to cheat death, lose 150 pounds, be in the best shape of my life, get back in the wrestling ring, looking better than I've ever looked, feeling better than I've ever felt, man. And being able to do something I love has been a part of my life for 20 years. 20 years, bro, it's like, on top of everything else, people are like, how do you do all this? I'm like, I have no fucking clue. That's dope, dude. That's I, so fucking dope. I, uh, it is one thing that, if I could ever go back and do it again, the two things that I wish I could do is either play baseball or be a professional wrestler. You still can. I mean, I could, well, I can't play baseball. I don't say you still be a wrestler. Uh, I can still be a wrestler. I can still be a wrestler. I, I, would be a, oh, I mean, like, I, you know, there are some people who I find out, like, oh, man, that nigga 40? 
because uh, when we were younger, you didn't think of that you didn't think of age. And then also we had people like, well, at least when I was, I grew up in the mid ninety wrestling Ric area. Flair was always seventy Flair to was me. Always old. He was always old to me. But The Rock was my The Rock and Sting. Yeah, and yeah. Like they were. Bret Hart was still kind of young, especially as I saw them grow older. That's me, when it changes like, things. Yeah, for me it was like, oh, they started when they were like twenty. Uh-huh. Uh, whereas now as an adult watching wrestling, when I see somebody like a Finn Balor and like, I've just gotten introduced to him over the past few years. Yeah. Thanks to the WWE. Yeah. Well, that, right. So now I say, oh, he's new to me, but damn, this nigga actually 38 years old. I've been, right. Been wrestling 15, 20, Kevin right. Owens, 15, 20 years. I've yeah. done shows with him. I've done shows with Sami Zayn. Yeah. Cats have been in 15, 20 years of the WWE universe. Now knows about so people just thinking, damn, they just bust on the scene like, nah, nah they've been doing it for a while. These marks they got miles on them. Yeah, they, they got, got miles on yes. them. They got miles on them tires, man. They got miles on them tires. Are you going to uh, SmackDown Live? I don't know yet. I'll see. I'm hoping I go. Uh, I'm trying to also figure. So they do the whole thing with the extra security where they have the wrestlers there. Mm. So I'm trying to just you know see how I can wiggle my way back there. Like I've been backstage before because, like I said, a bunch of my homies are on the roster currently. So like. I might I'm gonna hit up probably a couple of buddies I know that wrestle for them. Mm -hmm. Like I can get tickets. I'll see what happens. But uh, I you know it's been weird because now when I go watch the shows, I'm watching it with such a critical eye. Yeah, and I'm like, all right, I see that spot. I see what they did here. Yeah, like I want to do it. And it's you know I I want to go to it. It's always just that it's, that energy is crazy. Such I'm gonna be there. I can't fucking wait. That energy is crazy. So like I'm I'm gonna hit up for tickets. I mean I probably I'm more than likely be able to get them, but. Yeah, that energy is just bananas, yeah, dude. I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm, I I love I love going to live events. Uh, all right, then let's talk. Let me ask you. Let me ask you your favorite WWE match. Because I'm gonna be real. I grew up. I've been watching the wrestling WCW, WWE. A little bit dabbled in other promotions, but I've mostly been a the big dog yeah. fan. Uh, very big fan. I know the history. But I am not going to lie and be like, but I also know the indie scenes. Yeah, Because like, yeah, yeah. a lot of people, I watch New Japan because I, I don't as yeah, often. Yeah, yeah, uh, But what's your favorite WWE or even WCW match of all time? And then you can give me whatever your favorite match of all time is, if it differs. From uh, so one of my favorite matches, because it was two of my favorite gimmicks, The Undertaker versus Mankind Buried Alive. Oh, we're talking like 97. Like 97. When these yeah. mods went all over the arena and everything, it was just crazy. And the Buried Alive, because again, you got to, it was at the boiler room of the Buried Alive. It was one of the two. Was this, this was before Hell in a Cell, right? This is before Hell in a Cell. Yeah. For, this, those, for those who, uh, so if uh, even for the non wrestling fans out there, I'm sure you've probably seen the clips of a dude getting thrown off the top of a fucking steel cage and landing on a big ass table. That was The Undertaker and Mankind. So that was this Helen was during this feud. This is during this feud. Yeah. And I remember, I can't remember the exact pay-per-view, but I remember that match. And I was like, these two dudes are going all out. And I knew a little bit that the business was choreographed. Mm -hmm. And I knew about the entertainment factor. But I was like, these dudes are literally entertaining the crowd. The cr I'm paying attention to the match. And the things that Taker and Mankind were doing, but it was the crowd's reaction to everything. They had them; they were on the edge of their seats for everything. And I've always been a Taker fan. I remember as a kid, I came, I, 
Growing up on the south side of Chicago, bro, I took a mayonnaise old miracle whip jar, painted it yellow, <laughs> put some dirt in it, got yeah. a long trench coat from the dollar store, and I was the undertaker for Halloween. Yeah. So like I've always been a fan of Taker and then McFoley too. But yeah, that was one of my favorite one of my favorite matches of all time. Oh man. Triple H Kurt Angle. Ooh. Okay. Because those two are two technically great wrestlers. Triple H doesn't get enough credit for how he, great he is. He does not get enough. You know, people give him shit because of now him being the COO of the company and what he did. Look, that's a business. I'm not going to even lie. It, it's business. It happens in music. It happens in comedy. So mm-hmm. for people to be actually shocked that shit happens in wrestling, shit still happens. It's one of the best heels of all time. One of the greatest heels of all. And yes, I know Triple H did blackface, and I was pissed off about that. Because mm-hmm. Pe- somebody brought that shit up in a group I'm in the other day. was like, was this okay? Because everybody was mad about the Justin Trudeau shit. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, nah, people were mad about it. Just wasn't no fucking social media. Yeah. There's a difference. But Hunter is Hunter and Kurt together. There's a there's a psychology of a wrestling match. There's a story you yes, tell. Yes. And Hunter and Kurt would tell the perfect story mm-hmm. every single time. And the first time I watched them wrestle together, I was like, this is the shit I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm talking about. It doesn't have to be, because this was before all the spot fest and everything. This is beautifully done. It's structured well. Everything works. They play to the crowd when they need to play to the crowd. They yeah. bring the crowd into the match. Kurt versus Triple H, man. Which 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 match or just all of them? Any of them? It's shit, all of them. It was yeah. it never it never failed. It never failed. It, Especially during that during the uh, McMahon Helms the McMahon Helmsley regime. Yeah, you know when Kurt started coming into his own afterwards. Mm-hmm. Dude, I I fucking love them. Like it's perfect. WCW Sting gave me some great matches. Sting was Sting is great. Sting, you know Bret Hart came over there and was like, "Look, I'm gonna show y'all what this is." You know, what I'm <laughs> like I'm I'm that dude on this technical aspect. I'm gonna show you what it is. I'll never forget watching Rey Mysterio get long darted thrown into a production truck. Yeah, never will forget that shit. Yeah, I dude, I was like, "How's this nigga alive?" <laughs> like you couldn't convince me that him and Kevin Nash should be friends after that. Yeah, dude, he <laughs> missled him into that fucking into that truck. That truck. WCW had some great moments, and then they fell off hard. Yeah. You know, uh, that's the one thing, too, I do like about AEW, but I do have a slight dislike about. I like the fact they brought legit competition back. Yeah, I because hope so. Competition breeds, you know, it, it breeds, makes you better. It yeah. makes you better. Whereas yeah. the only thing I don't like, there's some of the talent that, I, you know, people may say I'm jealous or whatnot, but I just feel like of what we've been seeing on television, you can't tell me some of this talent I see is television ready. Mm-hmm. On that level, mm-hmm. you're on national TV, TNT, you know, cable national, but you're on national TV. You're on cable TV everywhere. I mean, Raw is national. Cable, Raw's, so Raw is national same cable. Thing. Same, same thing. thing. So it's like, you got to tell me the people who aren't wrestling fans have to gravitate to these dudes who look like regular guys. Mm-hmm. Because there is now the change of what wrestlers look like. Kevin Owens, CM Punk, all those brought in that change. Everybody didn't have to look like this sculptured ass Adonis. Mm hmm. But you have some guys who look like, oh, whose son is that? <laughs> you know, but I'm I'm happy for that, man. It's this business now is is having a resurgence, is having a boom. Uh yeah. It's I'm I'm excited for AEW. It's gonna be another promotion that I watch quite a bit uh when it comes out. So I'm excited for that. I don't get me wrong, I, I know some friends who work for AEW. Shout out my homie Jim Jen Sturger, uh and a couple others. Uh, uh if I can get a, if I can get in this battle royal. 
Just put me in a casino battle. Yo, if anybody is talking to Cody Rhodes, like, yo, I just want to be in the casino battle royal. You need another big black dude on the roster. Let's do it, bro. (laughs) Yo, if you in it and it's anywhere in the general vicinity of the West Coast, I'm going to try to get there. I'm going to try to fucking get there because that would be dope. I just want to do the battle. To see somebody I know wrestle. I've never seen anybody actually know. Matter of fact, when we're done recording, I'm going to go ahead and tweet Cody like, hey, man, I'm not even asking for a spot on the roster. I just want to do the battle royal. That's dope, dude. That's dope. Let me rattle off a couple of my favorite matches and Go see ahead. what you think of uh, think about them. Uh, one of my I'll, I'll I'll end with my favorite one, but I'll give you like my top four or five. Uh, and no order except number one: CM Punk, John Cena, Money in the Bank, Chicago. You know what? That match shocked the fuck out of me, man. Because Cena couldn't work at the you know everybody was like Cena can't work. Right. That was the that was that was the knock on him to the quote unquote smart. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And. He did. It was beautiful. And to see Punk literally was like, when I win this title, mm-hmm. I'm leaving. It was. It, that's what got me back into wrestling. <laughs> the Summer of Punk got me. The Rock that year coming back got me because I had stopped watching wrestling for a few years. The Rock coming back is what got me to turn wrestling back on. Yeah. And then the Summer of Punk is what hooked me back to I WWE. I can see. Yeah. When that mom was taking uh, pictures with the WWE title belt in the refrigerator. Yeah. I have personal stories about Phil, but we will. Pass those up. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people, if you're a wrestling fan, you know this, but CM Punk is also a Chicago cat. Okay. Personal well. story. <laughs> Next match. <laughs> Next match. All right. All right. Um, Rock, Triple H, Backlash 2000. Stone Cold comes back, helps The Rock win the title. When he was facing all of the McMahon Helms. Yeah, when he was running through, basically. yeah. And Stone Cold comes back. He's still injured at this point from the, his neck surgery. Yeah. He comes back, hits everybody with the chairs, and then Linda McMahon brings Earl Hebner down. Uh, that counts, yeah. yep. I, first of all, I'm a huge rock fan. Huge Dwayne Johnson rock fan, wrestling persona, him in general. Uh, he is, him, Stone Cold, are my one, too. Uh, I, to this day, still can't remember... <laughs> Maybe WrestleMania 30 when Daniel Bryan won, but a pop bigger than when The Rock beat Triple H. <laughs> oh, that, yeah. But that is the best pop I have Again. ever fucking heard. But what, what did we just say earlier about Triple H? People don't give him his credit. Exactly. He knew and how it, to and, play that. He knew and how to play that heel. And this is not taken away from The Rock. Mm-hmm. But if Triple H and, and Stephanie do not build that story up where they're screwing The Rock over that whole year. Yeah. Leading up to that moment, you don't get that pop. You don't get that pop. You don't get that pop. And I say the one of the most underrated rivalries in wrestling is Triple H and The Rock. Yeah, I feel like it doesn't get everybody talk. Triple H and The Rock have one to me top three. Remember, people they were teasing it. Yeah, remember they were gonna do it when they did the backstage promo. Yeah, they teased the Mania match, which we were supposed to get, but Rock being but Dwayne being a movie star now stopped it. He couldn't. Well, he couldn't. Yeah. His schedule. Well, yeah, his schedule stopped. Yeah, it. Not schedule. he stopped it. Yeah, yeah, schedule stopped it. But yes, dude, it like Roger, I like the one image has burned in my brain, dude. I forget exactly which pay per view it was, but it was Rock Triple H. It was probably the back black backlash the next year or some shit. Triple H comes in. He's the champion. Does his whole thing. The Rock comes in second, and he's standing on the. You know, he gets up on the turnbuckle. Yeah. And he turns around, and him and Triple H just lock eyes. 
and they're just looking at each other for like 30 seconds. And, and like just <laughs> never break it. Don't break. And I'm just like, this is a fucking uh, ring. So just before the match, bro. The intensity, the intensity you feel right there in that feel, fucking moment. Ooh, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it, bro. Just and the lights all like just still like dark and purple uh, and blue and just the rock and man. They ain't even saying a word. And that's, and that's how you sell it. When we ain't got to say nothing. They ain't, you don't have to say nothing. They stared at each other for 30 seconds. You know what's crazy, though, when we bring up beautiful. Triple H? It's like nobody would have ever fucking thought terrorizing. Right. <laughs> Yo, or, that's, or Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Oh, I was going to do that. But I would rather go further back with terrorizing yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. would be this legendary Hall of Famer yeah. that has had these legendary matches. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and Hunter Hurt, the man who got destroyed in 15 seconds at WrestleMania by the Ultimate Warrior. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, what's the other ones? Uh, I. <laughs> It is one of my favorite matches. It is so cheesy because I think it's the last great Brock Lesnar match, but CM Punk, Brock Lesnar, SummerSlam. Uh, okay. From, I know what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah. I think it's the last great. It's the last Brock Lesnar match before he went on his title quest. Oh, yeah. And created Suplex City, which I don't have a problem with Suplex City. Which Especially did, when it first started, did it, you, was, it wasn't supposed to happen. It wasn't supposed to happen, but that that John Cena Brock Lesnar. <laughs> I was just gonna bring that. He suplexes all fucking like seventeenth, bro. I like I I watched that match and I was just like, what the fuck did I just watch? It was I, I loved it. <laughs> I don't I don't think I've ever just stopped la- started laughing so hard, bro. Because after like the eighth one, I was like, are we really just yes, putting he suplexing this thing out of his <laughs> And for those who don't know John Cena at that point was still Super Cena he was Super Cena he was still Super Cena so you know for the wrestling fan who knows how it kind of goes you just know John is gonna like come back and make this (laughs) Brock Lesnar gave that nigga hands throughout that match and he suplexed him 16 (laughs) times and then just beat him (laughs) and then hit him with an F5 it was like (laughs) you just Go to yeah. here. If you if you aren't if you aren't a if you aren't a wrestling fan, let me give you two sports equivalents to what I what that is like. Two basketball teams, LeBron James facing like the Golden State seventy three and nine Golden State Warriors, <laughs> and every and for and for sixteen straight possessions, <laughs> Golden State passes the ball in, and LeBron just steals in and hits a half court three. <laughs> yep. For 16 Six, straight. 16, for 16 straight. 16 straight. At the end, you're going to be like, what the fuck <laughs> is going on right now, dude? What did I just watch? Yeah, dude. But, and, and it wasn't a bad feeling because you were highly entertained. I was so entertained. You bro. were entertained. like, what? <laughs> I was so entertained, bro. And I was at the WrestleMania for uh, where, he, where he coined the phrase, Welcome to Suplex City, bitch. That was WrestleMania oh, yeah. 31. They opened, yeah. uh, when they first and opened this 49 estate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Suplex City, bitch. Everybody was like, oh. Oh, my, oh, oh. my goodness. Oh, yeah. have you ever had the pleasure since then of hearing Brock, like, when the camera might barely catch him? Yeah. If the fan, some, if, let a fan say something stupid to him. Oh, oh, he'll go. He he will say, he'll say shit back. He don't give. <laughs> yeah, he don't give a fuck. But here's the thing. Vince McMahon is not going to say anything to him. Of course and, not. So, 
little, little behind the curtain shit. Mm-hmm. You have faces, good guys, heels. Then you have Brock Lesnar, who's called a force of nature. Mm. Brock comes in. If he walks past you, it's a barely a high Mr. Lesnar. Brock don't want to fucking talk to you. Brock don't want to be your friend. Brock don't. If, if Brock don't know you, you probably won't know Brock. <laughs> so, like, people be like, "Oh, well, Vince just let him do." First of all, when you when that one man puts so many eyes on your product and brings so much revenue, you let him do this. Mm-hmm. And if you're every wrestler in the back who's just gotten that company, you understand why. Mm-hmm. You want to be in that position where if I walk in the door, this is what I'm doing. All right, I'm good. Again, Brock won the title after WrestleMania in New Orleans, didn't want to keep it against Roman Reigns when he was beating the shit out of Roman, mm-hmm. goes in the back and Gorilla throws the belt at Vince McMahon yeah. and still has a job. Yeah. And still kept the title. And still kept the title. And keeps winning <laughs> the title. <laughs> and keeps Do you winning think the title. there is any other wrestler? The Rock. Besides The Rock. <laughs> the Rock. That's the only one. That's the only one who could do it. Uh, Rock, Austin, and Triple H. Are those the, are the only. Oh, those are the only three. Yep. Maybe a Kurt Angle. Maybe. Not at this stage. And not, and not even a Foley. No. So just the three. The Undertaker. Ta- oh, Taker can tell Vince to kiss his entire dick on the mic on live TV. <laughs> 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 and Vince will be like, well, Mark, you got a point. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Taker said I got to kiss his dick. So. Yeah, yeah. Taker, Taker, Taker is king back there, I would assume. He's still, the man is 60 almost. Yeah. Gets paid multi, you talk about Brock's count, Brock is like 125,000 on appearance. Taker is like a million. And the man is beat the fuck up to walk to the ring I've conquered a lot of souls (laughs) in my career but this new generation of superstars will never rest in peace million dollars million dollars million dollars and honestly you're not exaggerating he will come to the ring say those 32 words and walk the fuck out and walk the fuck out insane bro I've conquered a lot of souls nigga yeah. <laughs> it's 887 though yeah yeah a lot of hoes and a lot of souls <laughs> the reaper comes to collect <laughs> The Reaper's not scared of anyone. Dude, I when I it. take you down Death's Highway. Dude, your Undertaker is fucking spot on. I love it. I love it so much. It's so, you know exactly. You can think of any type of analogy that sounds like some shit you'd have heard in a 97 children's book. And it's The Undertaker, niggas. When I rose from the dead. The demons that carried me back. <laughs> they said that my soul was not ready to be taken to Hades unless I took another with me. It's so true, dude. It's so true. What a great fucking character. Great character. Last two. Last. Two. I got so many. The last two. Last two. Uh, Sasha Banks, Charlotte Flair, the uh, Falls Count Anywhere match on Raw where Sasha won the title. Okay, yeah. One of my favorite matches, dude. People got to give her so credit, too. Hyped. 
I Sa- think who which one? Sasha. Sa- yeah, Sasha. Sa- I love Sasha. I think she needs to the evolve the evolution she has now as a heel is mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. I need a little more. She has to win. She oh, she definitely because she she's ha- if she doesn't win WWE screwed her because she's not about to win a Hell in a Cell. I hope she does. She's I don't, I really don't think. I think they're saving it for Ronda coming back. They which, saving Becky which, for Ronda, which pisses me off. That like WWE is such a placeholder, fucking with their titles are so such placeholders. Whereas like, well, we need it for this for the one of the big fours for the big name to take it. And, and, and don't get me it wrong, ruins title runs. Don't get me wrong, Becky Lynch has had an amazing run. She's great. She's great. I but love Becky. Becky's run is literally till Ronda comes back, and that's and that makes runs feel. Bad. Yeah, because you know they did all this. The boss is back, and she a badass, and she's still going to lose. Because technically, she didn't lose. Right. So that's how they do it. That's she, how you keep the story going. She technically didn't lose at fucking Clash of Champions. She did lose in that tag match. Did she lose? Yeah, she tapped. I think. But nonetheless, she's going to lose a hell in the cell. I hope. Not. I hope. I hope you're wrong. I hope but, you're I, but that's a great, but that's a great match. I hope you're wrong. Last one, classic, a, a, a cliche, but classic. Rock Austin WrestleMania 17. The energy in that fucking arena, just and, and to watch the Rock literally tell him thank you because mm. he had never beaten him at WrestleMania. That was WrestleMania. That's WrestleMania 19. Oh, that's 19. Yeah, 17. 17. 17. I'm 19. Sorry. Also, I loved a lot of people shit on 19 as their worst one. I love that it was Stone Cold's last match. Yeah. Uh, the Rock is playing a perfect heel <laughs> in that match. Just I miss seventeen. I wish, okay, I remember seventeen. Now my apologies. That's everybody. where Stone Cold turned. That's the at turn. the end. Yep. But the match leading up, the match leading up to that moment was just every bit of a five star fucking match. Another person we don't give credit for his technical ability. Stone Cold, Austin, Austin. Yeah, he, he was a technical wrestler before well, he became. Yeah, but we always we're so focused on Stone Cold, the character, right? We, Steve Williams, Steve, right, right, right. <laughs> stunning, Austin. stunning. Steve Williams is what yeah. we're always focusing on, but that's who the technical wrestler was. But when it comes to Stone Cold, Steve Austin, we're just looking to see him stump a mud hole in somebody, hit a stunner, mm-hmm. and we forget this man is technically amazing in the ring, mm-hmm. especially before that injury, before the before the Owen Hart injury. Everything about that match leading up to that injury was beautiful. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Austin is Austin is great. You said something about ring story earlier. I feel like The Rock is one of the best to do it ring story wise. Oh. Like telling a ring story, he's just great. I one of my favorite moments, just as far as ring story goes, where I was just like, this dude is just one of the greatest of all time. Is a uh, Rock Rock Brock SummerSlam, and Rock goes into that match as the face, as the face. But like, to, I think they're in Toronto at that point. I don't know where they were, but they were. But everybody kind of caught wind that the Rock was leaving, uh, and Brock was the heel, but he was going in. And during that match, you can you can even see the Rock shifting Brock like. All right, I'm gonna be the heel now, and I'm just like, you know, you don't get that. You don't. Not many people can do that. that it, it happened one other time recently, and I think it was what fucking match was it? It was Hogan Rock. Yeah, it same thing. Same thing. Same thing. It was Hogan Rock, and Rock did the same thing. He's he, like, all right, y'all gonna boo me? I'm gonna be the heel. <laughs> the fans dictated it in the fucking match. Like the fans were like, yo, Hogan is Hollywood Hogan, NWO. Yeah. Like, you're supposed to boo this man. Yep. The Rock is the baby face dude. These motherfuckers are face to face, and you're like, well, Terry, you know what we're about to do, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. 
A lot of people don't understand that either. Uh, it, 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 like those two moments, I was just like, he's he's one of the greatest yes, of all time. Yes. Like in the, he may not be the best technical wrestler. He may not be a brawler, you know. But as far as I'm going to tell a story in this ring, he will one of the best of all time. And that was the thing too about people like The Rock doesn't have a very large arsenal. No. Yes, like everybody always shitted on Cena for five moves. Like the Rock only had like eight moves, and <laughs> that yeah, and, and 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 four of them was him slapping you. <laughs> like, four of them was him slapping you. So like the Rock didn't have that many moves, but nobody would ever say the Rock wasn't a good wrestler. You'll never say that. You'll never say it because that's the thing. He's he's a great at what he does in the ring, and he sold the shit out of Stone Cold Stunners. He sold it. Yeah, <laughs> sold it, man. Ah, I could talk wrestling all day, man. I need to have a wrestling panel. I, I wish I I wish WrestleMania. I think when the new stadium opens, on WrestleMania is coming back to LA. So maybe oh, twenty twenty one. The moment they open it, I, it's already set. Yeah, twenty twenty one. I think. Right? Yeah, it's, yeah, twenty twenty one. We getting that. Yeah, uh, but one of these next big fours, I'm gonna get some. I'm gonna get like uh, all the Culture King people who've been on Culture Kings. We're gonna, I'm going to try to get us to get tickets to go to a thing and then do like a live episode or something. Oh, that sounds dope. Uh, and, and drag Edgar along because he'd be pretending like he don't. Uh, this nigga Edgar, like we were talking, he pretends like he doesn't know, he doesn't like wrestling. And then like we'll drop like Randy Orton's theme song. I'm like, don't know nigga who don't like wrestling know don't Randy, know Randy Orton's, Orton's theme song. The <laughs> 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 fuck? Like, I hear voices. Yeah. You're like, what type of psychotic motherfuckers right. y'all playing? <laughs> oh no, that's Randy Orton. What the fuck you don't like wrestling? <laughs> Like, shut up. You may not watch it, but don't act like you ain't never watching. You don't like it. That's another person who, you know what? As much as he's an asshole, sometimes, yeah, Orton, he has he had that stint where he didn't give a fuck. He was like, I'm just here to cast a check. Mm-hmm. But now he likes playing. Now he's enjoying himself again, and you can tell it in what he's doing in the ring. Yeah, but Randy Orton is a natural man. I mean, that one line they always say about. If you could take a wrestler and build him from the ground up, it would it, it would be Randy. It would be Randy. <laughs> it would be Randall Keys Orton. Yeah, it'd be Randy fucking Orton, man. That's not a fucking lie. Uh, JBL coined a very, very true phrase, uh, dude. With, there's so much shit. Like, we got to have you back because there's so much shit we haven't even touched on, like your actual career that you're doing now. <laughs> uh, real quick, because I want people to have an outlet to get to you. Yeah. Uh, talk about talk about your your podcast, Mad Titan, as we okay. wrap this up, because I want people to go listen to it, and we got to have you back. To, uh, to I doubt, man, for sure. I'm going to definitely yeah. come back whenever you let me, just let me know when. Hell yeah. So the Mad Titan podcast, like I say, I cover all of the Marvel and DC TV shows and movies. Now, basically only those with the Cape Cows and Mad because there are a lot of DC TV shows a lot of people don't know about. So I don't have time to get into all of them. I already got a lot I covered. Like, literally, I watch all the shows and all the movies. And so on the podcast, on the show, the thing is, like I said earlier, there's a bunch of people who do this. This this isn't new. Mm-hmm. It's a bunch of people who do this. But when I said it's barbershop talk for nerds, it's because I always wanted people to just feel like, yo, like you and I having this conversation now, this is how the Mad Titan is. This is how, like, we just kicking it. We just talking about real shit. We comparing it to real things that are happening. Like, I just did the recent episode. My homie Jeff Baldinger, he's a comic out here, came through. And we talked about the whole Marvel potentially casting a person of color to be Magneto. And people having to push back. It was like, oh, well, Magneto has to be Jewish from the Holocaust. And I'm like, look, I'm not going to discredit the Holocaust. You do have to realize the MCU's timeline now is 2023. Mm-hmm. This is before the mutants even come in. 
if you bring in Magneto by 2025, 2026 with the Holocaust, you know how old Magneto is? Like 85 fucking years old. You have to update. You have to retcon it. It's not it's not taken away from the Holocaust. You have to make it in current date. You do some shit like the Rwandan genocide. But we talked about those things. We talk about how, like, I talk about how I need people who are always hollering about that release the Snyder Cut to shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Ain't shit to release, y'all. Like, motherfuckers be like, release the Snyder Cut. We used to see it. It's 500 of you bitches. Shut up. You motherfuckers better make a fan film. So... <laughs> I do I do all of those things, man, with the podcast. I love what I do. I love what I talk about. And it's actually been such a great blessing because it's opened the doors for me to meet so many people from the TV shows and the movies who know me because they know they respect what I do. That's dope. Because I don't shit I don't just try to shit on anything. Again, like I said earlier, if I don't like something, I'm telling you why. And they'd be like, yo, you got a point. I'm I'm real close friends with writers on like Black Lightning and The Flash, one of the EPs of Arrow I'm cool with. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm cool with some of the, the majority of the stars of Black Lightning. I'm cool with one of the stars of Arrow. You know, I've met people from the Echo? movie. I haven't met Echo. Like, I've been wanting to meet Echo. That's the one dude I've been wanting to meet, especially him being from the crib. Yeah, he's like, from Chicago too. Echo's the one, I, but uh, Dave Ramsey is the homie. Okay, cool. So oh, Dave, yeah, yeah. yeah, Dave Ramsey's the homie, but I've always wanted to meet Echo. But it's like, I meet all them and everybody's like, yo, you super just cool down earth. Like, I don't I don't mark out on shit. I don't be like, oh my God, I'm such a fan. He goes like, yo, nigga, I like what you do. Mm-hmm. But then they realize, okay, because eventually he wants to be on one of these shows. That's why my hashtag is always supervillain status. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm trying to be built like a comic book villain. I want to be on one of these shows. But with Mad Titan, man, it, it's been a blessing because it was something I decided to do on my own because I had the Trusty Psychic podcast with my boy Bobby Hill and we split that off. We had creative differences. And so I thought like, yo, when that was done, I was going to be done in this world doing this. But then I was like, let me jump out on the ledge. Let me do it again. And then I was like, Hi, what can I call it? And I was always a fan of supervillains. And then I had a Thanos Funko Pop. And I was like, the Mad Titan podcast. Mm-hmm. And so, excuse me. And so it's like just being able to do that, man, to be able to have people who want to come to my crib where I go where they are. And we sit down and we talk about comic book shit. And they be like, so how do I have to be? Some people be nervous. They be like, what do I need? I was like, be yourself. Mm-hmm. Be comfortable. You know what I'm saying? Because that way you have more fun. And then it's literally jokes thrown in, just me being natural, just having fun with everybody. And so that that type of vibe that I bring on the show, which I did it live. I did the one-year anniversary live a couple of weeks ago at FanX Salt Lake Comic Convention out in Salt Lake. They gave me their second biggest room in the convention hall, and we packed that bitch. That bitch packed out Fuck for yeah. me. And so for people all over the country who've been coming, like, yo, I love Mad Titan. I love your podcast. It's been so great, man. It's been an honor because I always want to do something. Like, I know the Marvel and DC world is big. Mm-hmm. But also, you want to talk about it like you talk about it. You don't want to hear. So right now, there's a casting announcement out for what we think may be Black Widow's movie. We might think they have an extra role. You know, some shit like that. You don't want to hear that. Yeah. You want to hear like, yo. So in the Black Widow movie, which we don't fucking need because it's 10 years too late. Mm-hmm. You know, me talking like that. And so that's what Mad Titan is. And it's available everywhere. You get podcasts, man. I even have it uploaded to YouTube. Uh, my YouTube channel is YouTube.com slash J-A-Y Washington 80. I couldn't get Mr. J Washington because somebody else fucking had it. <laughs> but... um you can Fuck get that nigga. I know, right? <laughs> but yeah, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, you know, all those places you can get the Mad Titan Podcast. I tell everybody, please check that joint out. Uh, please rate and review it. Like, the reviews are so great on that, man. And people, who, like I said, people who walk up to me out of nowhere be like, yo, I love your podcast. And I was like, I never thought I'd be one of those dudes to have people doing that. That's dope, dude. Bro, I was at the crib real quick. I was at the crib back in Chicago doing a stand-up show. I was on the lineup, and I was closing it. And I go up. 
And I'm, you know, saying it's a nice little room, it's a nice little speakeasy room. And out my peripheral, I see a girl, uh, a Latinx girl. She kind of giddy and out, fangirling out. And I'm not thinking too much of it, right? So I just go do my set. I do my 25 minutes. When I come off stage, I'm always talking to everybody. It's how I am. I'm a great dude with that. She comes to me. She says, oh, my God. When they said your name, I couldn't believe it was really you. I am such a fan of the Mad Titan podcast. She's like, oh, my God. I can't believe I'm meeting you. I was like, yo, you about to make me tear the fuck up. <laughs> because I've never had, never thought I'd have that happen. You know, I've had people who've noticed me from Chirac. You know, so they're like, yo, you that nigga that was with Wesley Snipes. Yes, I am. Mm-hmm. You know, they've noticed me from commercials. They noticed me from other TV shit. They'll know me from Collider or stand-up. But when people are like, yo, I know you from the Mad Titan. For me, that, that's real good. That, that's your baby. Yeah, that's my baby right that's there. Baby. Yeah, that's your baby. So. I love it. Go listen to it, y'all. If y'all listen, I know there's a lot of fans of this show who also listen to other iHeartRadio shows. Uh, so if you want to get an introduction, oh yeah, we're uh, on iHeart as well. We're on iHeart yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, you're on iHeart. The you're on the iHeart app. But if you want to get an introduction into Jay talking about this, go listen to his Nerdificent episode too. Yes, please. I'm uh, definitely on, on Nerdificent. Yes, so man. that's a good gateway to go ahead and get you extra pumped for his own show. Uh, if you need that, but you shouldn't need that. You this should be enough. Go go listen to that shit. Go download it. Subscribe to it. Become a fan. I know we got some nerd culture king fans out there. Go fucking do it, Jay. This has been a pleasure. Plus we got to get you back, man. We got we definitely get you back because I mean, <laughs> especially when we get Edgar in the room. Edgar would love being in the room with you too. Yo, man, I'm uh, here for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we definitely got to get you back one more time. Where can people find you, my man? Twitter and Instagram at Mr. J Washington. M R J A Y W A S H I N G T O N. My YouTube channel, YouTube.com/slash J A Y Washington eight zero. And like I just told y'all, the Mad Titan Podcast. Everywhere you get your podcast, listen on. I get you caught up on everything that's happening in the Marvel and DC live action and cinematic universes. It is barbershop talk for nerds so come on in the convo hell fucking yeah thanks for rolling through my man appreciate you bro culture kings pod on everything at edgar montplazier on the tweeter awful gram on the gram jockeys neil at everything social media yo listen this podcast that you're listening to right now is about to release just a couple days before my birthday just a couple days maybe you listening to it after my birthday. I don't give a fuck. But one thing you can do is go check out my new podcast. I'm your host. It should be available right now if you are listening to it after the 30th. And if it's before the 30th, it's dropping on the 30th, 930, September 30. I'm your host. It's a show where I just host a whole bunch of different game shows. The first episode, the pilot episode, is me hosting a version of Family Feud. With Paul F. Tompkins, Carl Tired, Ronnie Adrian, Dan Lippert, Ashley Holston. It's a funny-ass episode, y'all. I can't wait for y'all to listen to it. The more y'all to listen to it, the more episodes they'll give me, y'all. So jump on that support train, guys. I'm your host, dropping on September 30th. If it's after that date, go listen to it right now. Jay. Yo. Write us out for the weekend. Give us a deep cut of the week. Yo, here's something for you to listen to. And if anybody's ever feeling underlooked, underappreciated, uh, undervalued, or whatever you do, go listen to Eminem's Till I Collapse. Ooh, haven't heard that in a minute. Yeah, go listen to Till I Collapse. That will make you, because his line when he says, uh, there's, uh, he brings up all these rappers and he says, and I'm not put on this list. You know, when I'm not put on this list, this shit does not offend me. Mm-hmm. Because. 
He said, you see me walking around like nothing's bothering with me, bothering me, even though happy people got a fucking problem with me. Because a lot of people in their careers in their respective individual fields will feel like they are not being put on those lists where they should be with their peers who they are doing just as much as if not better. And you have to learn to say, you know what? The hell with y'all. I'm able to do it. That song will always put you in that mood and it always does for me. So that's something I wanted to drop for y'all. Till I Collapse by Eminem from his album, The Eminem Show. Let's ride out to that. We like you. We love you, y'all. Bye-bye. Sometimes you just feel tired. Feel weak. And when you feel weak, you feel like you want to just give up. But you got to search within you. Try to find that inner strength and just pull that shit out of you. And get that motivation to not give up and not be a quitter. Till I collapse, I'm spilling these raps Long as you feel them to the day that I drop You'll never say that I'm not killing them Cause when I am not, then I'ma stop pinning them And 